Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in Winning Cures Everything, and it is the Tuesday, May 31st edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And hopefully everybody had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Obviously, we are doing this a day later than we usually do uh, during the non-football season. We do Mondays and Thursdays. But uh, but this go-round, it's a Tuesday, and we'll hit it again on Thursday. But, uh, but Chris, I assume your Memorial Day went okay. Oh, it was fine. It was fine. I didn't do anything too special. We just hung out, worked on the backyard a little bit. I can understand it. I uh, I got a lot of mowing done. I got a lot of weed eating done. I edged. I mean, <laughs> and I grilled. So I, I got all of it. I got the the dad trifecta, I guess you could say. So it was uh it was nice. Good weather. Everything was cool. Have you been to this place, Laughlin Yard, in Memphis? Yes, I know what Laughlin Yard is. So I have not been out there during the day, and I haven't been out there when I was not uh, drinking. But uh, but this guy, I mean, I did have. A beverage, but uh, but took my mother-in-law and our toddler, and went out and played some cornhole and just kind of enjoyed the day, like the late afternoon on Sunday, and that place is awesome, man. <laughs> like obviously, uh, that's not an ad for them or anything, but yeah, I was uh, I was highly impressed. So I'll I'll have to get back out there and do that again. That place was very nice, very nice. We have some. Yeah, that's just not that's not my cup of tea. Like like these places that are like shacks thrown up with like really cool yards for you to hang out in i have a yard like i want to come to your restaurant i want to come to your bar it's hot around here i want some ac like i don't i don't need your back i don't need you to build me a backyard for me to play in. i don't live in a city in a condo <laughs> totally makes sense totally makes sense we we were downtown for other stuff as well but uh but yeah I, for for what it was and for what we were doing uh I thought it was nice. I mean, it wasn't too crazy outside. Uh, the weather was, uh, you know, upper seventies somewhere around there. By the time we got there, it was uh, it was cool. 
It was cool. I was impressed. Chris, we got SEC coaches meetings going on right now in Destin, Florida. Uh, wanted to go ahead and bring up the first graphic here, and that is the SEC seating for Destin this year. Uh, this was the most anticipated per Pat Smith, who, of course, is uh, or was part of um, the, the Feinbaum show. Now he's part of three-man front on WJOX in Birmingham. But, uh, but the coach's seating chart. In this, you can see that Eli Drinkwitz, Mike Leach, and Lane Kiffin are all next to each other. And then you've got Brian Kelly, Mark Stoops, and Kirby Smart next to each other. On the other corner, you've got Billy Napier, Brian Harson, Sam Pittman, and Nick Saban. On the opposite side of them, you got Shane Beamer, Josh Heupel, Clark Lee, and uh, Chuck Dunlap, who is a uh, one of the admins or whatever for one of the higher ups at the SEC. And then on the the far table that has more seats, you have all of these SEC uh, bigwigs, the execs, the officials, if you will. You got David Cutcliffe, Greg Sankey. Uh, etc. But uh, those two, you got David Cutcliffe on one side, you got William King on the other, and then you got Jimbo Fisher right there in the middle of all these SEC officials. And of course, when this was first leaked out, everybody thought, oh man, they are obviously not trusting Jimbo to sit around some of these other coaches. They got to put him in between all the officials. But Herb Vincent, who is um, who is the associate commissioner for the SEC, he came out and said, the chair of the coaches group sits with the SEC staff. The chair rotates, and this year it is Jimbo Fisher. Do you think that they, they – nobody has said anything about whether or not this was decided before Jimbo decided to come up with these uh, with that press conference a week or so ago. Do you think maybe that had anything to do with this? No, no, because if it did, they would not have made him chair. That's, I think you're probably right about that. All of these decisions are We want so bad for things to be like real drama when really <laughs> the people who run these things aren't that intelligent and they're not that creative. I think, I think you're on to something there. They're really not. I think not. Jimbo's seat was set because he was the chair this year. Okay? That is not any – and we're trying to, oh, he's just surrounded by his officials. Who was the chair last year and where the fuck did he sit? All right, because I bet it was around all the officials in the same spot and nobody gave a damn. All right, I'm certain they made sure that Nicholas was quite a bit away from them. But other than that, and, and that's just you know, I mean, you just do that. Right? If you know you have two people that don't like each other, you don't put them next to one another. This is true. Yeah, Nick this is, is over not at that the hard of a thing to do. Nick Saban is over at the other end of the table, uh, right next to Herb Vincent. So. Yeah, it's uh they they did a good job of keeping those two separated, which I doubt that they would have done anything to begin with. But uh but yeah, everybody wants a good conspiracy. You know, everybody wants to there to be more of a story, and the majority of the times, you're right, they uh they're not that smart, they're not that creative. So like they're they're just not worried about this at all. And the rest of the uh, college football world wants it to be, right? Yeah. That is the way that it goes. We'll uh we'll move on from there. I did want to bring up something that came up over the weekend. And this is interesting, I think, to to me and to you uh, in that it, it shows us a little bit of what was going on at Florida with Dan Mullen. Billy Napier said over the weekend, regarding NIL bidding wars, 
that we don't operate that way at Florida. He said that Florida will not uh, be in the middle of some of these NIL bidding wars. He said, I think there is some of that going on, but we don't operate that way. Uh, He noted that coaches need to look at the big picture when talking about NIL. He argued no two situations are identical, which is why they need to be studied one at a time. He said, I think NIL is a portion of the decision, right? I think a lot of times when you really uh, dig into why the player is leaving uh, where he's at, there are other factors. All these situations are case by case. You've got to evaluate each situation independent of all the others. Uh, But he did say college football is now a land with no laws. And when, when you really dive into this, like he's telling the truth, obviously. He is talking about the fact that Florida is not just going to go out and and pay just ridiculous amounts of money to be able to get uh, the best of the best football players. Dan Mullen was not super interested in recruiting, but I think part of that was the fact that he didn't want to get involved with these kids that wanted money and whatnot. I I don't yes. think anything had, has changed at Florida, regardless of who the new coach is, right? Completely agree with that. And uh, what this means is Florida's just not going to be able to keep up recruiting-wise. So their fan base needs to set that expectation. And that's tough for them, but that is now the expectation. Yeah, We're not I, going to do this. If other people are, and if you're going to villainize or, you know, the, the kids for taking the money, then then you're just wrong. Shame on you for doing that. But, now, he, he did know. walk it back at least a little bit, Chris. He said, uh, there's a lot of gray area here relative to representation. What I can say, what I can't, what the third party can do, what they can't do. Uh, he said, I mean, right now we're living in a land with no laws, if that makes sense. But I continue to believe as every day goes by and the more that we are, quote, boots on the ground as we get out to know people, uh, NIL is going to be a slam dunk for the Florida Gators. So he's saying that they are going to, they're going to provide some NIL for players. Obviously, I think if you're in the SEC, you have to do that. But I think what he started this off with in that they are not going to get in these bidding wars for players, I think basically he's saying that Florida is going to continue to operate business as usual. And in that situation, yeah, you're you're already a little bit behind when it comes to recruiting anyway because of what the former staffs have done. You're always going to be able to get good players at Florida. Like, we're not saying anything like that. What we're saying is, can you keep up with the Georgias and Ohio States and Alabamas, right? Can you keep up with Texas yes. A&M? Are you, wanting to com- are you wanting to compete at the top of the SEC, or are you, are you happy with, you know, being the, one of the best of the middle tier? And that's, uh, that's a very interesting, uh, you know, idea. That's a, that's a big question that Florida fans are going to have to come up with. But that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying you have to set expectations. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm referring to. If you think that you're going to compete for the SEC, but you're not going to play the game to the maximum capacity. I'm not saying you can't one day, you know, hit lightning in a bottle, have a hell of a recruiting class of guys that you just developed up that were all understarred and, 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 you know, whatever, then that can happen. But year in and year out, you're just not going to be in that conversation. You're going to have to wait for lightning in a bottle. I think you're right. I think you're right. Let me go on and dive through these. Um, da, 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 da. Let me dive through these reads. Hang right on, quick. hang on. You yeah. talked you talk about what – see, so many of these guys are marrying NIL and transfer together because they're both allowed, right? Yeah. Because yeah. what he was saying 
in that situation is is like uh you know they're going after other kids like he, he made a comment about um yeah, you you just read it off you said a bunch of stuff and trying to remember exactly the phrasing <laughs> of it but basically it was the concept that um you know it, it's the wild wild west out here yeah and, and you got to figure out why they're leaving where they were while they're leaving yeah that's right yeah. It, it, it used the word leaving the thing is is kids can only leave one time they can only leave once all right so once you have a transfer they're yours for the duration unless you're willing to sit out. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. And, and NIL and transfer aren't the same thing. They're they're just not. No, you're. I think you're right. I think you're right here. It's, uh, it's definitely not the same. The only time that they would be able to transfer a second time is if they are a uh, grad student. So right. once, once you yeah, graduate. You have to graduate. Yep. Yeah. Once you graduate, well, then you can do it again. Kids, I guess most kids could do that. You're just not an NFL guy um, or definitely not a three-year NFL guy to do that. Agreed. Yeah, definitely not a three-year guy, and you would – but if you're transferring, there's obviously a reason for that, whether it be coach leaving or you're not getting playing time. If you're not getting playing time, I would imagine that means that you're probably not in a position oh, to go early I, anyway. We're going to disagree there. We're going to dis- – so Joseph Burrow would like to, to have a word with you on that. <laughs> But I think Burrow developed just, at just LSU. Just because you're not – no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Joseph Burrow was Ohio Player of the Year. Or, or, yeah, like Mr. Ohio. He was the best athlete in the state. Urban Meyer had a philosophy of how he wanted to run an offense, and Joe didn't fit it. Okay? That was it. It wasn't Joe couldn't compete with those guys. Joe didn't run Urban's offense because Urban's offense wants a mobile quarterback. I, and I while do Joe not ag- is mobile from a passing standpoint, Joe is a pocket passing quarterback. Yes, absolutely. But you cannot tell me that there was not improvement from year one of Joe Burrow at LSU to his uh, last hey, year. Hey, you, he got to this is so now we're hashing something that doesn't make any sense because you're yes, there was improvement when Joe got there. The literally week after he got there, he, he didn't get spring practice with the team. He got there, and they started the season. He had no spring practice. He had barely any fall practice with these guys, and they all got hurled in at the exact same time. Also, all his receivers that had any talent at all were all true freshmen. So, yes, true. You're, you're exactly correct on that. He had massive improvement because the day he started at LSU, season was started and he didn't get any real practice in that offense. And so so what I'm saying – second year in the offense, he took a massive leap forward. Yes, yes, absolutely. But, but what that I'm, has nothing to do with <laughs> – that has nothing to do with them, them developing him. I'm saying that Joe Burrow went to LSU so that he could play because he was in a position yes. where he was not going to play for Ohio State. People, but, you said, but you said it's because they're not good enough. And I'm telling you, kids can transfer – but they're not. There's a lot of reasons kids aren't playing. Okay? I would, uh, right, right, right. I'm not saying. I'm not saying and, that they aren't good enough. I'm saying that they are not playing wherever they are, and they are probably not being looked at by the NFL at that point because they haven't shown it. Like I don't think Joe Burrow would have been drafted uh, had he left Ohio State having never started a game. You feel no, the same? I, I didn't say that's not what. But that's not what you said, and that's not what we're talking about. You said they're transferring because they're not good enough to play. So, therefore, if they're transferring, they're probably not the best. That's what you said. 
if if I said that, I definitely did not mean it that way. But I will. Uh, that's, that's, I will that's why I corrected you. I appreciate that. I, I, I misspoke. If, if I said that, uh, then I misspoke. And yes, it it has to do situationally, which is kind of what Napier brought up here about every situation is different. You got to figure out why they're leaving. You got to figure out all these different things. Uh, but he does tie nil into it, and that may be what we have seen based on this last transfer portal uh, exodus. I. You know, we're, we're going to see how this works. As you and I have said multiple times, going forward, the market will correct itself. Like it, People will not continue to pay for players that don't produce, and right. you want to be able to get your money's worth. So I totally understand that. Well, here's the thing. Hang on. They might. They, if they've got that much money, they might keep paying for players that, that won't produce because they keep thinking the next kid will. That, hang on. But that's fine. Toughen up, Buttercup. I'm sorry. If this other school is, quote-unquote, overpaying for kids and you're mad that you're not getting them because you don't value them that much, they're getting the ones that they value. And you obviously don't value them the level that they do. That's it. Yeah, this is true. This is true. This idea idea that NIL is bad because these kids are making so much money is insane to me. We all are fine with them making $500 or $5,000. But nobody's okay with them making $500,000. And that's what bothers me, is the fact that that's hypocrisy right there. You just don't want to make him more money than you make. And that's bullshit. Yeah, I agree with you. So you want them to have a job, you just don't want them to have a good job. And I don't know that it gets to be a better job than, uh, than what they do playing at these SEC schools. With the amount of money that they so, generate, I mean... This, yeah, this has now become, it's not no longer about uh, uh, NIL, is it good or is it bad? This is 100% jealousy. That's all this is. When I was 18-year-old, I had a shit job that paid me $9 and change an hour, okay? And these guys are going to have a much better job making a lot more than that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I have no problem with it. <laughs> I don't, it, 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 but but I want to call out the people that have a problem with it. If you told them, what if we pay these guys five thousand dollars? Everybody would be okay with it. Everybody would be fine with it. Nobody, nobody would have a problem. It's the big numbers that bother them. Why? Well, they're going to piss it. Okay, have you ever pissed money away in your life? Have you ever made a bad financial decision? Like, let them be kids, but they've still earned it. It's still it's still okay for them to get it. Yeah, yeah. You think NFL player or NFL coaches have a problem with the players making as much as they do? Uh, this is way Bill off Belichick topic. Has said, yes. So Bill Belichick has made a comment in the past about uh, whether he was going to keep a guy on the roster or not, and his agent was demanding. And this was, I'm sure, it was a backup guy. I can't remember for life of me who it was. But I remember the conversation. It was on one of those, like, behind the football scenes or whatever the NFL Network does. Uh, And he said, there's no way I'm paying this guy more than I make. He just doesn't do enough. (laughs) Like, I now I'm certain Bill might be the only coach that has ever said that or can say that. And it damn sure wasn't about a star player that ever touches the field. But it was somebody – who was asking for more money that wasn't producing very much. And I remember hearing him say the words, there's no way I'm paying this guy more money than I make. 
<laughs> and I and, and my first thought was is well, Bill, nobody's more valuable outside of Tom than you. Like, but all these other guys make a lot more than you do. That, oh, yeah. That's fine because they produce. This guy doesn't produce. I'm not paying him more than I make. His agent can go kick rocks. He can go somewhere else. We'll there you go. go. I love it. And they just cut him. Like they don't like they don't play the game. The whole whatever. no, we're just gonna cut you. Like, yeah, that's fine. If There's you're no, no longer yeah, if you're no longer yeah. worth it, then that's right. We'll just get rid if of. If somebody else wants to pay you. That we live in a hard cap society in the NFL. I want the other people to waste their money on you. I want them to waste their salary cap money on you. Yeah, basically. I don't. I don't want to keep you for less. I want you to go there, and I want them to overpay you because every dollar they overpay you benefits us. No. You are not wrong. Let's uh, let's move on to another SEC coach. Let's talk about Brian Harson really quick. He is starting a new podcast. Brian Harson is starting the Huddle with Horrors podcast. Um, now, I want to get into uh, this one main question here, and I want you to tell me first. I've got a couple of answers myself, but him starting this, do you believe it is a good idea or a bad idea? I think it's a bad idea. Like a really, really bad idea. All right. I would love to hear your your reasoning on this. Um. First off, I think uh, Huddle with Horrors uh, sounds terrible. Uh, it sounds like, A, a shot at Waffle House uh, because we've got a Huddle House situation going on here, which I'm sure it's not. It's a football thing, but that's not where my first brain went. Second, it sounds like you're saying horrors, like you're telling horror stories in your huddle, which is really weird, and I don't know why we're going to Brian Harson for this. Um, and then the, the, the reason that this is a bad ideas because I don't think Brian is like if you're already famous and you're going to do a podcast which is what most people are doing now you gotta have an audience I don't think Brian Harson has been like Jim Harbaugh has a massive audience Every, many many NFL fans love him many people that love college football loved him when he was at Stanford and then now he's at Michigan so, like, basically people at Ohio State will hate him, but he has a massive fan base. He has a massive following. He's been around. He's been relevant for a long time. Yeah. Who's listening to this? Well, I'm going to go from the opposite side. Half the Auburn fans don't want him there. Well, that's, so, so that's almost exactly why I'm going to go – I'm going to go with it's a good idea, right? Because he – has not been able not been able how's this he started off on the wrong foot at auburn anyway right this was a bad idea for him to not uh, in, ingratiate himself into the auburn fan base with the media with everything else from the very get go he had opportunities to sit down like the sid was able to set up interviews and this and that and he just turned them away he didn't feel like that was in his wheelhouse, that he he didn't want to talk to these people, and it hurt him. Like, I think it really hurt him in the process uh, because I do think that he is good when he's on a mic. He's good when he's in front of people. Like, I've seen talks that he's given. I've seen all this kind of stuff. I think what you said, like, Auburn fans don't even like him. Uh, Auburn fans don't know him. And I think if you find a way to put yourself out there. And he's starting off by his first episode is uh, with Eric Keesaw, who is the new offensive coordinator. Uh, you want to 
he's using this to basically um, show off his staff, like introduce all of these new guys to the Auburn fan base. And you're going to have your Auburn diehards, but that's the majority of the people that are really going to be listening. But along with that, you can also, and this is my number two here, uh, he like publicly was not able to control any of the narrative around what was going on with all those rumors and everything that came out back in, what, February, I guess, or early March. Um, if you look, like this is going to help show that he is not the issue at Auburn. Like, if they do fire him, it ain't because of him. It's because of what is going on inside of that program. So I think, in a way, this could be really, really good for him to get himself out there and let him control some of the narrative that goes on around his program and actually introduce himself a little bit better to some of the fan base because as of right now, because he has not done a bunch of interviews, etc., that fan base doesn't really know him. And other fan bases that might open up, like <clears throat> Arizona State, etc., um, if he were to leave Auburn after this year, like this could be a way to let other people get to know who he is, his coaching philosophy, etc. You you kind of see where I'm coming from on that one? Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I, my biggest thing is is I, it just I don't I guess Auburn fans are the only audience, but like that's a okay. And, and this is this isn't besmirching to Auburn fans, but like I just don't I don't know. Like, I don't think like, he's trying to make right. money off of this. I, I don't think he's selling ads and all that kind of stuff. I think this is literally just, hey, we're gonna, we're just going to sit down for an hour each week, and I'm going to sit down with, like, a different position coach or a different assistant coach or just different people that he knows for one hour every week, and he actually get to control the conversation so that he can show who he is. Like, I think that's what the whole point of this is. Otherwise, I like, why would you do it? <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. That's probably why he's doing it. I mean, that's probably the truth. I just don't. I don't think it's a good idea. I I, I only think bad things are going to come from this. But now you might be you right. Like he, he could become a wild card with uh, with an open mind. But now, hang on now. But that's that is you and I are very different people. Look how you you handle a mic and how I handle a mic. Like, look at how we both do this job. I say things all the time that afterwards I send you texts and say, man, I feel like such an asshole for saying that. Like, because, because I'm really bad at holding in my feelings. And when I get passionate about something, whether it's anger or excitement or whatever, like I just, I just go. And, and I just vomit my, my, you know, my feelings all out all over the place. And it's just one of those things where I tend to have a lot more regrets while you are very controlled, very reserved, very in control of what what you're saying and how you're saying it. And you're not going to make the mistakes I make because my, we just do this job differently. And my thought process is always uh, maybe more logical than emotional. I, I think that might be the, the right way to say it. And I am curious what Harsons is going to be. Like, I'm... I'm going to listen to this thing just to well, get an idea. You know, but hang on now. But here's the other part too, though. At some point in time, if it's not entertaining and he's boring, all he's going to do is hurt himself. Like yeah. now, now they're all going to hate him. Tens of people are going to listen to it, and they're going to all be Alabama fans just getting fodder. That's just it. <laughs> just laughing, right? Just hee hawing. Yeah, I mean, you might be right about that. I'm I'm very curious what it's going to be like. Uh, whether or not he does a good job of 
introducing these uh, this coaching staff, et cetera. Um, all, all of these coaches think that they are like them. All of these coaches think that when they say things, they come out really well. And most of them don't. Most of them, it's bad. Like, it's really bad. Are there any other SEC coaches that have a podcast? I don't think there are. I don't know. I wish Mike Leach would get one, and I don't even want to talk about football. I agree. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. Thousand percent. Uh, let me do these reads right quick. Uh, winningcureseverything.com is the website. Go and check it out. Everything you need to know about us, you can find right there, including all the different segments from the shows. Uh, we are currently doing the uh, college football previews leading into the 2022 season. Of course, today we're doing the AAC Part 2. But, uh, but yeah, along with that, we've got a lot over there on the website, so go and check it out. Along with that, the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you can leave a five-star review on whatever app you're using, please do that. Five-star written review certainly helps us out. And uh, from time to time, we will read them out on the show. Same thing with the YouTube. Subscribe there and jump into the comments, jump into the chat. We love to hear from all of you guys. You've got great opinions, and, uh, and it really kind of makes us think about certain things what we're going to talk about, etc. So jump into the YouTube comments. You can always follow us on Twitter at GaryWCE at Chris Giannini. So, sorry, Chris B. Giannini, and, which is on your screen if you're watching the show. Uh, and then, of course, at Winning Cures is the other one. And you can find me uh, most of the time over at BetUSTV.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Chris, that takes us over to the NFL for just a little bit. And Aaron Donald, you remember right after the Super Bowl, there was this whole idea of, hey, like he might just hang it up. He might just be done. If they don't bring yep. back Odell Beckham and they don't bring back Von Miller, then he, he may just retire. He may ride off into the sunset. And then it seemed that everything was good. He was going to come back. He, uh, he told Sean McVay everything was cool. But now... We have a story over at ESPN that says Aaron Donald, quote, at peace with career if no deal with Los Angeles Rams is reached. Uh, basically, he has no more guaranteed money left in his contract. He told the I Am Athlete podcast that his return is contingent on getting a new deal. He said it ain't about the money. It's a business at the end of the day. Um, he said uh, that's what you got to see. For me, it's about winning. I don't want to play football if I can't win anyway. So I feel like if I got a real opportunity to win another Super Bowl, then it makes sense to play. But again, it is still a business. Uh, give me your thoughts here. I'm I'm curious because, like, I don't think he really knows what he wants to do. 
Well, yeah, that sounds like the words from somebody who doesn't understand how words work. Uh, you can't say it's not about the money, it's business, because that's what business, you mean, which the, the phrase that he's looking for is it's not personal, it's business. Yeah. Because business is only about the money. <laughs> I mean, you're dead on. You're dead on. That's like say. I mean, that's like me saying I'm not bald, I just have no hair. Like, they mean the same thing. Like, yes, yes, I agree with you. You sound like an idiot, but he's the nicest guy in the world, and everybody loves him, and he's so amazing, and so nobody's going to criticize him by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, you um, it you saw like it. They're not going to get Odell. They didn't sign Von Miller. Uh, so it's all about winning. So if they can put another super team around me, then I'll come back and play. But you also have to pay me a lot of money to do that. I don't understand – how any of this is working? Yeah, you saw who he uh, who he signed with by by the way, right? His new agency. Is it, is it clutch? Uh, no, Donda okay. Sports. No. It's Kanye's new right. agency. Oh, yeah. All right. So Kanye signed Aaron Donald and signed Jalen Brown from the Celtics. Uh, very close to each other. So, yeah, I uh, I was well, a little shocked. Kanye is really good with words. He should communicate to Mr. Donald how they work. <laughs> and when uh, when he goes out there and says, it's not about the money, as his agent, somebody needs to say, uh, he's wrong. It's completely about the money. Please pay us a lot of money. Yes. Yes. You're right. And hang on now. Hang on. I need to see what his contract is. I, I'm done with this. Well, he has no more guaranteed money left. Yeah. But if he played one game he's going to make like eight million dollars and he plays like seven games he's going to make like 14 million dollars if he plays the whole season he's probably going to make 20 something million dollars so i I don't i'm done with this oh you know he didn't have any money we're we're asking to play for free here let's see i'm pulling up his spot track right now um aaron donald let's see his contract details as of right now heading into this season his base salary is $9.25 million. His signing bonus for this year is $8 million. His roster bonus is $5 million. Uh, his restricted, I'm all right. Let's see. Pretty close to about $20 million. That, I think that's what, $21 million? Let's see. No, oh, here, here, here. So uh, there's his restructure and overall, here's his yearly cash. This is what he would make this year. $14.25 million. So he made nineteen million last nineteen point eight million last year. He'd make fourteen point two five this year, and then nineteen million next year if he hits all the different things. So I'm just not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. He he wants to get. This doesn't. He wants to get big money. That's what he wants. Well, yeah, and that's fine, and that's fine. But you can't want to play on a super team in a hard cap league and get big money. That's not how they work. That's not how super teams work. Yep. I know it took a super team to get you. You're a great player. I know it. I know it took a super team to get you a, a Super Bowl. Finally, I know it. If you want another one, you're gonna have to sacrifice to join a super team, or you're gonna have to get paid a lot of money, and you're probably not gonna win another ring because it's really hard. Yeah, I mean, he, even if they do pay him and some other free agents. The chances are still relatively slim 
that he's going to get another one. Yes. I mean, everything had to fall into place perfectly for them to win it last year. Perfectly for them to win it last year. Mm-mm-mm. Let's, uh, let's talk for two seconds about USC football, which is not a common topic on the show, but USC posted on Memorial Day, today we remember and honor those that made the ultimate sacrifice to serve our country. They put hashtag Memorial Day 2022, they put hashtag fight on, and they had a nice picture. And the picture had the USC helmet with an American flag flying behind it, and it had four fighter jets. And the Twitter comments immediately started taking off. And those comments said, you mean Chinese J-10 fighter jets? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, they're called Chengdu J-10s. And the fighter jets that they put on this Memorial Day uh, picture were <laughs> Chinese fighter jets. Now, I understand that the people that run these social media accounts uh, for college football teams are typically college students, right? Uh, my guess is they probably looked up fighter jets in Google and found these and photoshopped them onto a picture with the USC helmet. But I am curious, uh, what do you think the thought process was here? <laughs> or was just, there one? Yeah, it's just, it's just idiots. <laughs> All I tell people that work for me, I have one request every day. Well, I have two. What request number one is is just come in with a reasonable attitude, okay? The Adam, the attitude of being reasonable, all right? Which means if somebody asks something of you that's not your normal job, but it's a reasonable, easy thing for you to do, don't don't fight for against things that are reasonable. If you need something done, everybody's going to ask the same thing. We're just all going to be reasonable. The second thing is everything we do in life or in business is about the details. It's yes. just about, if you didn't take six seconds to look up and realize our country, this is how self-absolved we are, okay? They probably don't even realize that other countries have fighter jets. <laughs> they probably just assume we're the only ones that have them and they're going to throw rocks and sticks at them. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, right. is what the, this, is what, this is what kids think, right? They don't even know that other countries have them. Have you not uh, seen the new Top Gun movie? Not only do other countries have fighter jets, most of their technology is better than ours. Yes, yes, very much so. Hey, by the way, uh, before we jump into the AAC, uh, thoughts on Top Gun? I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting to go see it, but... Uh, I've seen I, it twice now. I went and saw it yesterday. Oh, my yeah. God. I saw, it, I saw it Thursday night. I went back and saw it yesterday. I'm going to tell you this. I, I have... I have the same thing very consistent that I've told everybody alright this is every positive emotion that a man can have I had while watching Top Gun I can't speak for everybody else in the theater but I know this I laughed I cried I came it was the best viewing experience I have ever witnessed in my life that's unbelievable I'm not saying it's the best movie ever made I'm telling you that I sat in an IMAX theater and it was the best viewing experience of watching a movie I've ever had in my life. And then three days later, I went back to that same IMAX and watched it again. And it was just as incredible and a little more emotional because I, some of the chaos that's happening didn't catch me off guard because I knew it was happening 
and I was able to just kind of really get into it. It's really that good. That's I'm I'm definitely gonna have to go see it this week. I'm gonna have to go check it out. So, Everybody so I've talked you, this, to. Has this is this another thing that I realized. This is something that I I acknowledged. Okay, while while watching this movie or before the movie, this is before the movie. I have a real appreciation for Tom Cruise. Not that he needs me to have appreciation for him because he's one of the <laughs> biggest superstars in all of Hollywood. Tom Cruise is still one of the only guys that's still making movies for dudes. Yes. Almost yes. every movie that you go to in the movie theater has just just filled, packed full of just chick think and chick thought and chick stuff. And I like a lot of that, okay? I'm like the closest thing to a gay guy that most of my friends have. I, I'm not the most masculine man in the world, but I still really like a good dude movie. And Tom Cruise is about the only person that just all he makes are dude movies now, and they're great. Yeah, I, I know the the trailer for Mission Impossible just came out, and it is much of the same. Yeah, like just straight action. Much of the same. Very, very. Yes, just an action fact. We we took James Bond. And we said no. My, I'm, 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 I'm up in the ante on James. Here we yes. go. Yes. So I'm excited. So anyway, I'm excited. I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It's, you know, you know, they're not paying me. Of course, they don't need to. But it's really good. Though I had one. I'll tell you one criticism that I heard other people say, and my immediate reaction is, is you can go fuck yourself. Was <laughs> was. It is it is really predictable. So, like, if you're watching a scene and you're like, oh, I kind of know where this is going, it always goes there. It always goes there. But it's okay. That's all right. Yeah, this is the I kind like of movie that, that you want that. I, yes, I don't need to just be hit upside the head with something I'm not expecting here. I came to see this movie because I know exactly what I'm getting. I watched it when I was eight, and it changed my life. <laughs> hey, was this Sorry. better than uh, than the original? Yeah. Yes. Oh God, yeah. Not even close. Not not even not even a little bit. They're not even they're not even the same planet. That's interesting. That is very interesting. I did enjoy the first one. Uh, I'm I'm curious now. Very curious. Um, it's it's really good. It's really 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 good. Let's see. It sets uh, Memorial Day records, so that's uh, that's definitely good. I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes now. Um, let's see. The current reviews. Da, 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 da. Let's see. It looks like uh, 97% from the audience. Is that right? Man, that's uh, that's oh, I need to pretty find those three, 3%. I need to find those 3% and give them a talking to. Let's see. Here we go. I just want to know what they're expecting. Oh, no, never mind, never mind. Anybody who didn't like this movie, I need to know what they were expecting. 96% from the uh, certified reviewers. 99% from the audience. That's the most up-to-date. Yeah. Whew. 99% from the audience is pretty good. That is not bad. That is not bad at all. I mean, it, it, it really is a great movie. I can get on with that. I can get on with that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and do our, our football predictions here. Football previews. We are moving into the American Athletic Conference Part 2. We already discussed uh, Cincinnati through SMU, the top six uh, finishers last year. There are only 11 teams in the AAC currently. Uh, 
today we got Memphis, Navy, Tulane, South Florida, and Temple. And Chris, uh, let me get your initial impressions before we move into the first team, which will be the Memphis Tigers here. Of these five teams? Yeah. Uh, ooh, I don't I don't think it's going to be great. I tend to agree with you. Um, I feel like we, we have a clear bottom two. And then, yep. it, you know, yep. I, I wonder about the other three, right? I wonder about right. the other three. So, I don't know that any of these can contend for a conference title this year. You agree? I agree. I don't think either one of them are going to. Let's move into the Memphis Tigers. That is the first one on the board here. And the Tigers last year went 6-6. Six and six. Uh, The bowl game got canceled for them. Their post-game win expectancy showed 6.4 and 5.6, so they were right around where they were supposed to be. Uh, probably should have beaten Temple, probably should have lost to Mississippi State, but uh, regardless, you get there to 6-6 six and six, one way or the other. Returning production this year, number 58 in the country, 64%. Uh, you got a bunch returning on offense, partially because you bring back uh, Seth Hennigan, the quarterback, who was a freshman last year and who really was not supposed to start. But... Uh, you know, obviously, that's you, right. Grant Gunnell did not get to play. He was injured basically all year, and then he transferred out. He's now over at Arizona. Uh, the defense, however, only 57% returning. That's number 89 in the country. As far as their roster strength, number 63 overall in the country per CFB winning edge. Offense is only number 71. This is flip-flopped. Their defense roster strength is number 35 in the country. They have got some dudes on defense. Not super experienced, but but they actually hit on some recruiting battles. They got some big-time transfers in. I'm, I'm curious about this team. Um, it, let's talk about the offense here. The new offensive coordinator is Tim Cramsey. He joins after four years as the OC at Marshall. Uh, you know, again, quarterback Seth Hennigan is back. Uh, he started basically all of 2021. He was number 48 in the country in QBR, 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, you got to figure out who steps up as the receiving threats after they lose Calvin Austin III and uh, the tight end Dykes. Uh, the new running back, Jay Ducker, uh, new guy from Northern Illinois. That's good. He should pair well with sophomore Brandon Thomas. you got to hope that the offensive line improves a little bit. Their rushing success rate last year was number 83 in the country. Like That is just not going to get it done with Memphis. Like They have almost always been pretty good at running the football. They've had playmakers all over the place. I was just place. about to say. Yeah. That's it. They just don't have the playmakers. That's one thing they've been able to do consistently through three different head coaches. They've been able to run the football. And could not and really get it done last now year. Now we're seeing a yeah, a trend where they just just couldn't do it at all. The defense, uh, you do have the safety Quindell Johnson. You've got defensive end Wardellis Duckworth. Um, the defensive front seven does lack proven players. Um, the new defense coordinator, Matt Barnes, spent three years at Ohio State. He was the special teams coordinator and the safeties coach. I, he's a young guy. I don't know what to expect from him. Um, but as I said, the roster strength is really good on the defense. Like They've got talented players. There's just not a lot of experience. That's what I'm curious about. Uh, my keys to the season here, they started 3-0 and last year. But uh, but they lost six of the last eight down the stretch. They uh, 
they play like this is what scares me about this is Memphis has has been really good for what a decade now at this point and yes. what last season turned into is what the beginning of a program downturn looks like right yes. like if they can if they can reel out of it and get back to you know 8 and 4 you know even 7 and 5 just look like a competitive football team then maybe they can avoid that but this don't look like the same kind of offense that Memphis is used to but maybe that's okay like if you swap over and be a really good defensive team then all right but ah, I, well, okay well i guess we see this a little different i like the hire from the Marshall guy like oh, I, yeah. I liked what Marshall has done over the past i think that's a big improvement of what they've had so I think offensively they're going to be substantial. Hey, you can't be a lot worse than they were. I just think the offense is going to be a lot better if the defense is better. I think this team can be good. Oh, I think, not, not I think it can too. I, they can't win the conference, but like, like I I think they can be seven and five. I have them six and six, but I really want to make them seven and five and still have the stones. But I I think they can. I I've got them at seven and five. So you've got them at six and six. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So I, the way you were talking made it seem like there's just no way. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I think this team's going to be good. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. I think I think they'll be okay. But I will tell you this: like, they're not the top they, tier of the top three. All yeah. right. Those three are separated from everybody else by a mile. Oh, 100. percent But this is this is certainly the kind of team that could also uh, lose at some of these games that we expect them to win, and then see, win some. See, the only reason. Did. Yeah. The only reason I got them six and six is because. This team right here could easily go into the Naval Academy and lay a big old egg because that's what they do every time they go to Annapolis. Oh, it's, I've got them losing to Navy. Like at my losses yeah. here, I've got uh, Mississippi yeah. State, Navy, uh, Tulane, and let's see, SMU. Oh, and Houston. Uh, but I've got them beating UCF. I've got them beating Tulsa. Uh, like I've got them winning uh, see, at I East Carolina. I, I don't. I don't. I don't have them beating UCF. Like that's just not happening. I've got that because it's the week after a bye week. Uh, they tend to play UCF pretty tough anyway. I, you know, but again, anything could happen with this team. Uh, anything could happen. That's right. Anything could happen. My, I got my, them six and six. My keys could be seven to five. Oh yeah, they could be seven to five. They could, I mean, they could go five and seven if they do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously that definitely not good. Uh, I've got on here. Uh, you got to hope that Hennigan can develop consistency. And you need the trenches to show up on both sides of the ball um, because offensive line and defensive line certainly need to improve after last year. They lost some big-time dudes to transfer uh, out of there. They need playmakers to emerge on offense. Defense has talent and speed, but not much experience. Uh, it says toss on to it the fact that the new D.C. Barnes has never been a defense coordinator, and who really knows what to expect from this defense. I did put on here, if Silverfield has another down year, do not be surprised if Memphis pulls the, fl uh, the plug on this experiment. You yep. you kind of agree with that? Yep. No, I don't kind of agree with it. Uh, I think if he's five and seven or worse, uh, he's gone. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. They are really positioning themselves uh, to join the Big Twelve. And if your football team is headed in a downward spiral, that ain't gonna work. So, yeah, you better you better get it done this year. This will make or break year for well, uh, for Ryan Silverfield. That I, will. I think he was a bad hire to begin with, though. So. I I think it's always a bad idea There's, when you hire a coach because the players want him. Yep, because those players are going to leave. Uh, most of them are gone. Most of them are already gone. Yeah. All the ones that wanted him aren't there anymore. Congratulations. You got, right. you got what you wanted. 
You have got that right. Uh, we will move on. going to set the program back substantially. Exactly. Exactly. The Navy Midshipman. Now, last year was not good. And that comes off a not good 2020 season. But uh, but we will move on down to them. They went 4-8 and eight last year. Ken Niamatalola. Uh, I will tell you this. Their post-game win expectancy last year, 7.05 and 4.95. So basically, they should have been a 7-5 and five football team, and they went 4-8. and eight. Like, they yeah, did get the big man. win over Army at the end of the year, so that was good. Uh, but that got them to, to four wins. They had some pretty big losses. Uh, the linebacker, and I'm hoping I say this name right, Diego Fago. I hope that's right. Um, I got no idea. He he was the leader of that defense. Uh, defense was pretty good last year. Number 74 in PPA per drive. Um, let's talk about the offense. Offense was just bad all around. They were number 105 in PPA per drive. Uh, they seemed to perform better in spots when they had the quarterback, Ty Lavatai, in there. Uh, he took over in the fourth game, and in that fourth game, they beat UCF. Now, most of his supporting cast are gone. Harris, AC, all those guys. Maybe new starters can provide more upside, even without the experience, because they're they're number 103 in returning production this year. Um, you can never look at their roster strength, and, yes. and it's the same with any of the academies, right? Uh, That's right. But compared to Army and Air Force, et cetera, Navy is number 131 on roster strength on offense and defense. Like, they are dead last in the entire country as far as talent goes. Now, again, you can't really look at it that way. Um, they do have some, you know, some big players coming back. Uh, Isaac Ruos, the fullback, safety John Marshall, defensive end Jacob Busick, uh, and then, of course, the quarterback I mentioned, Lavate, uh, or Lavatai, excuse me. Um, I, I'm worried about the offense because I don't know. Like, it's not like people have really figured out the triple. Right, you see, Army and Air Force have success with it every year, but it, but Navy, for whatever reason, was really bad. Um, as far as the defense, they've been overperforming. <coughs> excuse me. Um, under the new defense coordinator Newberry, for like three years now, like they always do this. Uh, you know, I don't know if if number seventy four in defensive PPA per drive is going to cut it if your offense isn't scoring. Um. They really need the offense to to hold on to the ball and score points this year, uh, because they you know they're number one twelve in returning production on defense. Uh, this team, you remember they went eleven and two in twenty nineteen. Like yeah, they, but that was just a long time ago, man. Well, they they have since gone seven and fifteen since that season. Yeah, um, I mean they that, were, that 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 feels like it was a, a whole lifetime ago. If you look at what uh, what their offense was. And again, they have not changed. They had Malcolm Perry at quarterback in 2019. Um, they have not had him, and they hadn't been able to find anything close to that. And they haven't really changed what they're doing, but they were number 18 in offensive SP+. Plus. That's uh, an efficiency rating from Bill Conley. They were number 18 in 2019. They were number 115 last year. In two years, that's how big of a difference it is between that quarterback and what they had last year. Uh, keys for the season, I've got let Lavatai loose. Uh, hope the new faces perform better than uh, all the experience that was actually lost. I said on defense, watch for the safety, John Marshall. Uh, he could be a stud in the secondary. Develop the linebackers. You've only got one senior. And the defensive line, you've got three juniors and two seniors. 
but you you don't have a ton of returning experience with those guys. So uh, while they've been around the program, they hadn't played a lot. So you need them to step up. Uh, I've got, there's no reason to assume that they'll remember how to score points here. And if the defense doesn't make a great stride, it could be a really long year. And Chris, I got them at four and eight. Like I, I want them four to do eight. better, but I, I just don't, I can't find it. No, four, four and eight, four and eight. And that was, you know, maybe they can beat army twice. <laughs> I've got them losing to army. My four wins here. I've got temple, Tulsa, Memphis, and Delaware, but I did. I could see them beating anybody, and I could see them losing to anybody. Like, that's, that's what's crazy about I it. I can't see them beating anybody. That's crazy. They can't be <laughs> well, I mean, they were right there with Cincinnati last year. They were right there with Houston. Like, they they were in some ball games. Again, their postgame win expectancy last year had them as a 7-5 and five team. Uh, but they, they went 4-8. and eight. Like, they won three conference games last year. Like, this year, you know, you got Army and you got Air Force. Uh, you got Notre Dame. Like I don't think you're I don't think you're gonna win a lot of these non conference games. I mean, it's just rough. Just rough at SMU, uh, at Cincy, at UCF, at Air Force, at East Carolina. I mean, it it's tough. It's just a tough schedule. So I uh, I think four and eight is is just about right. You you tend to agree with that, right? Yep, that's what I got him at. Four and eight. You think they'll fire Neomatalola if if he doesn't make a bowl game this year? I don't think so either. Get the coach at? I mean, that's a good point. I don't know. I mean, he went. He went. You know, he went ten to two one year. What are you gonna do with that? Like, really? That's Nobody's a, done that in twenty years, thirty years. Like, that's true. And now you, you got to deal with you got you to live on that. You got to live on that the rest of your life. <laughs> I do wonder if it's a good idea for them to be in a conference at this point. Like army feasts on on playing Colgate and stuff like that. Like I do wonder. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll move on to these last three here. The Tulane Green Wave, and of course we are all big fans of Willie Fritz here on this program. Uh, Tulane last year, uh, that was about as bad of a season as you could possibly get last year. Two and ten. Uh, however, the post game win expectancy says that they should have been closer to. Uh, four and eight. They were four point three three seven point six seven. Um, their projected SP plus record this year is six and six. They were six and six against the spread last year, but they did go two and ten. Now, a big sign for them improving this year is they are number twenty one in returning production. They bring back seventy five percent of their production from last year. They are number four on offense, number seventy two on defense. And when you look at their roster strength, they're actually more talented on the defensive side of the ball. Number 49 there, number 63 on offense, number 60 overall. Uh, they did lose nose tackle Jeffrey Johnson to transfer. They lost cornerback Jalen Monroe. They lost defensive end JoJo Dorcius. Uh, and they lose linebacker Kevin Henry. But they do keep Michael Pratt, the quarterback. They keep running back Tajay Spears. They keep wide receiver Shea Wyatt. Uh, center, Sincere Hainsworth, who looks like he could be an NFL guy. Uh, and then linebacker Dorian Williams. Let's talk about the offense here. They've got a new OC, Jim Zavoda. Uh, Zavoda, I hope I say that right. Uh, he is the former head coach of D2 Central Missouri. Uh, they do lose Chip Long. I do wonder if Chip Long just did not how he didn't know how to deal with so many young guys because they were really really young last year. Um, but he moves over to take over the offense at Georgia Tech. Uh, a big part of 
them returning, you know, number four uh, returning production on offense. Michael Pratt coming back, they get eight of their nine receivers back, and they get every running back back. Uh, that's going to help. It was a it was a youth movement last year, and you know, a one year stopgap for an OC that, that's not a great combination. Like I, I think they're more talented than what they showed last year. Uh, on top of that, you know, I, I I think that this team, the culture you could see was pretty good because you didn't have like some kind of mass exodus of transfers. Like it, it was not it, normally if a team is used to winning and then they go two and ten. You'll see a bunch of guys transfer out. They didn't have that. Like I think Willie Fritz has a really good culture down there. Uh, you tend to agree with that? Yes, Willie Fritz is a outstanding coach, and I think we are going to see the greatest uh, mark of improvement from year one to year two or whatever last year to this year than we've seen in college football in a long time. I would agree with you, except that Baylor went from two wins, like they went from two and seven in 2020 to 12 and two last year. <laughs> so, okay, but, I don't, hang on, but there was a couple of years between there. I'm talking that was. No, no, that was, that was from Baylor 2020 to Baylor 2021. But I do agree with your sentiment that, yes, uh, in the AAC, you don't normally see a jump. Uh, I think they are going to be pretty good. Uh, their two best players on defense last year were both freshmen. Uh, the defensive end, Hodges, had 15 tackles for loss, five sacks. The DB, Jaden Kennedy, who was basically a utility knife. Uh, he could play safety, he could play corner, like just whatever. Uh, there's more fresh faces coming in. At the linebacking core just stacked at the top with Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson. You need those two to be healthy because you don't have a ton of depth, or at least not experienced depth behind them. Um, Chris, they went 0-5 in in close games last year, in like one-possession games. Just like we talk about teams are going to regress back to the means when they go like 4-1 and one in one-score games, the same is going to be said for teams that went 0-5. Like, you're not going to go 0-5 in one-score games again. Like, I just don't believe that. Yep. Um, I mean, it, you look at this, like, Fitz is just a better coach than 2-10. and 10. This looks like a rebound year. I've got him at 7-5. and five. I could certainly see him doing better than that. Um now, obviously, last year showed they could be worse, but I, I think seven and five is a pretty good bench. Seven and five. Uh, I got them seven and five. I like it. You know, it's crazy. We don't talk about these before, uh, before we actually get on here to record. Like we don't match notes or anything, and yet we still come up with pretty close uh, records here. Like at Memphis, you were six and six. I was seven and five, but we both had Navy four and eight. We both got Tulane seven and five. I'm curious about these last two. Very, very curious. Real similar on these two. All right. South Florida. Let me write my time down. The South Florida Bulls. And boy, um, Jeff Scott just has not had it easy, has he? <laughs> since, since he left Clemson, he thought South Florida was going to be one of those kind of spots where he could come in and take over. Charlie Strong won 10 games there. Willie Taggart won 11 games there. But what Charlie Strong did to that roster really hurt it going forward. This team, PPA margin last year was number 117. Their net points per drive was number 119. Uh, They were number 127 in total plays per game, number 116 in turnover margin, number 125 in penalties per game. Like, they were bad all across the board. 
they're number nine in returning production, so maybe that's something to look at. Uh, aside from that, I mean, they went two and ten last year. Post game win expectancy said the same thing: two point two nine and nine point seven one. Uh, their projected SP plus record is four and eight, but I I couldn't get them there. Uh, when I look at this, like Jerry Bohannon comes in, he was the starting quarterback at Baylor last year. I would imagine he comes in to take the starting job from Timmy McLean. Like Timmy McLean was good in spots last year, but most of it was with his legs. I I think Bohannon's the steadier hand. I think there's less mistakes here. Like it, this, it just makes a little more sense to me that he would be your starter. You do have a ton of returning experience on offense. Uh, they're number nine in that regard. On defense, they're number 26, which is still pretty good. That's 74%. On offense was 84%. Uh, the roster strength, pretty good. Number 73 in the country. Like, it, that's okay. They do have a new D.C., Bob Shoup, who was the D.C. at Mississippi State under Joe Moorhead, had the number one defense in 2018. Uh, he was just an analyst at Miami last year, trying to pick and choose what his next spot would be. Uh I mean, I'm not going to dive into a whole lot of this. They've they've got 16 new transfers. 13 of them are P5 transfers. Um, It looks like a talent upgrade, but can they gel quickly? Like, this is a talented roster, but at the same time, it's been a talented roster. So you got to figure out what in the world can Jeff Scott do differently. And I don't know that there's an answer for this. Like, I could see him anywhere from 1-11 to, like, 4-8, and eight, but I don't know that it gets better than that. It's a pretty brutal schedule. And then when you look at three of the first four games, you got BYU, Howard, at Florida, and at Louisville. Like, I think they're going to start 1-3, and three, even if they showed up to be pretty good. So, I, I've got them at 2-10. and 10. What, have, what have you got this bunch? 2-10. and 10. They're not good. They're going to struggle. It's not going to go well for them. Um, I, I don't know that they have the answer there right now. Um and, and and I I really couldn't figure out what what to do to get them back to where they used to be. The South Florida Bowls used to be awesome. They used to be fun. They used to be incredible to watch. Like they were entertaining. They played good football. They could compete with like the bigger boys of the G five. They were one of the big boys of the G five. And, and and could give scares to the P five schools that would come play them. They're just so far from that right now. Nobody in the country is afraid of them. No. I mean, this is this is not a good football team. This is not a good football team. So we, we both have them at 2-10. and 10, um, And I just, I got to wonder, like, how long do you give Jeff Scott there? It, but I don't know that it's necessarily his fault. I think the, the college football landscape is changing. And if you were already in a rut, it is much more difficult to get yourself out of that rut. But hang on now, no, we disagree a little bit there. It's easier to pull yourself out now because of the transfer portal. You are in the back door of Florida, baby. You're in Tampa. You got a ton of money around there. There's no reason you should not be hanging with the Memphises of the world. There's just no reason for you to not be tit for tat with with the the other schools like that. You're bigger than them. You have more money than them, and you have more talent locally than they do. There's just there's just no excuse for it. You might be on to something there. You might be on to something. Because you could go in and transfer a bunch of kids, and you've got local money, like, there's just no reason you can't be good fast. Yeah. Just, I'm just not hearing that, man. He's just not the guy. And as soon you know my opinion. As soon as you know you got the wrong guy, you bust it. Yeah, and that, that might be what they have to do. If they go 2-10 again, uh, that, that might be... 
That might be the death nail. That might be what that is. Let's uh, let's do this last one here, and we are on the Temple Owls. Now, Stan Drayton is the new head coach of Temple. He was the running backs coach at Texas last year. Uh, went three and nine last season under Rod Carey, and they just did not hit on the right hire at all when they brought him over from Northern Illinois. Uh, their post game win expectancy, like they won three games last year. But their post-game win expectancy said 2.09 and 9.91. So, really, it was a 2-10 and 10 team. Uh, they got that win over Memphis, but uh, that was yep. that was a little weird anyway. Uh, they did go 2-10 and 10 against the spread last year, so they didn't even outperform those expectations. Their projected SP Plus record is 4-8. and eight. Now, they're number 71 in returning production. Their roster strength, which has normally been a big thing for them, especially based in Philadelphia, uh, their roster strength is number 118 in the country right now. Like They have lost a lot of talent off that roster, and Rod Carey could not find those diamonds in the rough. He could not figure hang out. On, hang on, hang on. I don't understand. the ro- Is roster strength returning talent or just roster strength as the guys that are there where they rank in talent? The guys that are there right now, and it's a combination. It's college football winning edge basically combines experience and recruiting ratings, right? So you take your recruiting rankings, and then you add experience along with that. So if you've got a youth movement with a bunch of uh, two and three stars, your roster strength is not going to be very good. That's basically what their roster strength is right now. Number 118 uh, overall. It's number 119 on offense, number 111 on defense. So it's, it's not... It don't look good. I'll say that. Now, let's talk about the offense here. They do have a new OC. Obviously, this is a new coaching staff. Danny Langsford, he was the quarterback's coach at Colorado the last two years. Um, they did bring in a transfer quarterback, and that is Quincy Patterson the second. Uh, Dewan Mathis, you remember the kid from Georgia that started, uh, I think, one game in 2020 for Georgia? Um, he was their starter last year and was not very good. Quincy Patterson II comes in from North Dakota State, but he didn't play last year. So I don't know what that necessarily means. Uh, The wide receiver core is not great. Uh, Even with several seniors, none of them have really played. Uh, The offensive line is uh, weak at best. I mean, it's just not not great. Uh, Anything that they do this year should be an improvement over last year. You got to find an identity, you got to stop turning the ball over. They were number 111 in turnover margin. Their offensive PPA per drive last year was number 121. Now, on defense, DJ Elliott uh, is the new defensive coordinator, and he was last seen as the defensive coordinator at Kansas under Les Miles. Now, the defensive cupboard isn't empty there. I mean, there's there's potential at every position, even if it's not experienced. Like, the secondary was decent enough last year, number 72 in passing success rate. Um but, man, they were number 109 in rushing success rate allowed, and that just ain't going to work in this conference. Uh, man, when I look at, like, after after Rule left, this was viewed as, like, a really good G5 job. Collins did good things. Then they missed on Manny, and then Rod Carey, like, really hurt the process. Uh, they just, they whiffed on that one. Uh, the roster is still depleted. Even if there's, like, stud players here and there, it's still going to take a big rebuilding job to fix this. And anything that they do this year, I think is going to be better than number 126 in net points per drive. Like, I, they're going to need a lot of upsets this year. 
I don't see it. Uh, I think they're going to take most of this year to focus on recruiting, and and then we'll see from there. I've got them beating UMass. I got them beating Lafayette, and that's it. I got two and ten. Two and ten. That's what I got too. Um, I don't. I don't know how good they're going to be in the future either. So I, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see what this coaching staff does, but they just don't have a lot of talent. They're not very good. Now you you were not wrong there. Um, it's just rough to look at. Like Temple used to be so good. South Florida used to be so yep. good. And yep. and man, they are in a world of hurt right now. Just a world right. of hurt. Oh, just frustrating. I don't know what happened. So. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, you you get the wrong coach. Like it, we've seen it in the SEC. Like Tennessee went through years of bad coaching hires. Like in the G five. Yeah. You, what, what kills you is you're right. It's it's not just a bad coaching hire. It's when you compound bad coach after bad coach after bad coach, and now. You're just a program that nobody respects, nobody wants to go. Like, it, the glory days are so far removed from kids that are that you're trying to recruit to come play football there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how quickly the cycle runs because, I mean, it was just 2018 that they were playing for, uh, you know, a conference title, I believe, in, in Temple. So I – Well, and, here, and here's but, – but, but think about it now. This year's recruiting class, this year's group of – 2023 seniors coming in, okay? In 2018, they were barely in middle school. Yeah. That's what's crazy. That's <laughs> It moves so fast. Moves so fast. You make one wrong hire, and it can set you back a long time. Uh, and if you make, if you make two, oh. it, I think you can come back from one. You make two, man, You if you don't hit gold on the third one, and that third one could be a good coach. But he's just shoveling himself out of such a big hole that it, you know, you might not get the results you want. But. Oh, but we're we're seeing that at Florida State right now, right? Uh, yep, that was just about end, to say. Like, Jimbo was not a good coach his last couple of years in Tallahassee. Like, it, uh, we we've got we've got different opinions on that. Oh, I I, I know, like I do agree with you on the way that things went uh, as far as that boosters is, that and whatnot. Is, that is a that is a burning down the bridge before I run off the bridge. But at the same time, it did hurt the program, right? And then you brought in another coach well, yeah. that didn't know how to pull it out. And, That's right. And once you did that, now Mike Norvell, who I think we agree is a pretty good coach, uh, he's having a difficult time pulling them back out of that. So, and Temple can end up with the same thing if they don't hit it with, with Stan Drayton. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I don't I don't see it happening this year. So you got 2-10 and ten as well, right? I got 2-10 and ten as well. All right, buddy. Be good, my friend. I will holler to. Uh, we'll do Thursday, and then uh, you're taking vacation, right? I'm taking a week off. I can understand it. All right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Is there anything else that we need to hit on? That's it, brother. All right, let me let you go, and I will uh, wrap this thing up. All right, that is winning cures everything. We appreciate all of you guys for joining the show. We certainly appreciate you for sharing it out, telling your friends, leaving a nice five star review, all that good stuff. So. Uh, with that said, we're going to dive out of here. Again, thank you. Share the show. Tell your friends. Subscribe if you have not already subscribed. And take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully all of you tickets cash this week. 
Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.